Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Jordi Mueller, and we are here with Stephanie Diamond, Managing Director of Charitable Planning Strategies at Charles Schwab today for our July Empower Women series. How are you doing today, Stephanie? Terrific. That was a long introduction, I know. <laughs> uh, we happen to be recording on a remote location today, which I got to be honest, is a little bit of a small space. So, uh, and I'm not claustrophobic, but it, just, it feels like definitely tight. Uh, hopefully, it goes okay. Um, Today was a very interesting conversation with everybody that attended, and um, I, I got a lot of good feedback already. And myself, after looking at your presentation, PowerPoint presentation, uh, something really caught my eye, which I would like to start a conversation with. Um, and this was the, the, the amazing impact that individuals have on philanthropic giving. And this, is, this was an eye-opening. It's around 70% of all donations or philanthropic giving in the United States in last 2017 came from individuals, not from foundations, not from corporations, not from bequests. Um, why do you think there's such a misconception on that in the public? It's a great question. I think because then it's true. Individuals give the majority to nonprofits. Uh, but the news shows and talks about those large foundations and the large corporations that give. Um, but it's really the power of the people. Yeah, it is the power of the to people. To make a difference. And I think one of the points I, I made today was that it doesn't matter how much you give within that percentage of individual giving It's really about the impact and the satisfaction that you have with the dollars that you give to the causes you care about. So just paraphrasing is kind of like, I need to know where my money is going to, to, to be more impactful instead of just randomly giving away. Is, is that like kind of like correct? Did I get it correctly? I want to know where my money is going. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, One of the, the things that I really love about how you put this entire topic for us today was how to, you, you, you divided in four different categories of how to maximize impact of your assets. And for me, that clarifies that where should I start thinking in different kind of boxes. And I don't know if you want to expand a little bit on those four categories. I'd be happy to. And you know, one <laughs> of the things that I thought about as I was going through these four categories was what you say. Uh, in your firm, which is connecting the head and the heart. And the heart right? mm -hmm. At the same time, when it comes to philanthropic giving, I like to say it's connecting your values with your valuables. And so mm -hmm. these four strategies that I like to help clients think through really take that into consideration. It's taking the valuables that you have and making sure that it aligns with your values. And so the four boxes, as you say, <laughs> and, and categories um, we talked about were first utilizing your best assets. So um, thinking through what you have in your investment portfolio, you have more than cash, you might have appreciated assets. When you're giving to charity, what are you using for your charitable dollars? The second category was understanding the different types of vehicles, charitable planning vehicles that are out there to help you structure your giving. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but one of the more um, popular in recent years vehicles is the donor advised fund. And we'll definitely touch on the donor advised fund because we, we use it internally at our company. Terrific. And then the third 
this gets more to the heart, yeah. right? Is increasing your giving satisfaction. So how you feel really good uh, about the causes that you give to and those dollars, those hard-earned dollars yeah. that you're using to give to those causes. And then the last is, I think there's some expression that says, um, you know, you'll do it if you write it down, right? Which is about <laughs> having a plan. Uh, so bringing all of these things together and um, putting together an actual plan that you can use to track the giving that you do. And that definitely seems to be, at least in my personal experience, this is completely me, one of the hardest things to do. Sometimes I know where my values are. Sometimes I know where I want to put my money, but I just don't put a plan of action and it just doesn't get done. And another tax year passes and another organization didn't get the funding that I would have liked them to have. So so definitely actionable items is, is a good thing to talk about. Um, because we're a finance company, I, I definitely was attracted to this particular point in your presentation, um, which is the value of donating an appreciated asset. And it, it what we refer to is mostly uh, stocks that have gone on value. That's what we refer to most of the time. And I don't know if you could explain why is it important to donate that part or the benefits of donating that versus cash. Absolutely. And I think you can probably add something. I know. I'm just trying. <laughs> well, let's share the answer. We'll share the answer. Um, yeah. You know, what we've found and what the research shows is that the majority of donors give cash. Yeah. Um, and really, when they start working with an advisor, they get the benefit of having that advisor help them select the best asset in their portfolio. And in many cases, it's going to be an asset that's appreciated in value. And the reason why that appreciated asset is so valuable to give to charity has to do with capital gains. Right? So when we think about taxes, if you sell an appreciated asset, you have to pay something called capital gains tax. If you give an appreciated asset, and just to be very transparent in the charitable world, an appreciated asset uh, has to be held for over a year. Yes. But when you give that asset to a charitable organization and they sell it inside the charitable organization, no one pays the capital gains tax yeah. on that asset. And because that asset has this gain in it, this embedded gain, right? it becomes more valuable than giving cash. Again, because if you sold it, you'd pay a tax. tax. Yeah, so I guess the mathematical example, and, and that was such a, a very clear explanation, just to put it to numbers would be, if you're donating a thousand, you wanna donate a thousand dollars and you have it invested in some, let's say, ETFs in your portfolio, and you wanna, you wanna donate to an outside organization, you have to sell those ETFs translate to $1,000 in cash, subtract the tax that you're paying on that gain, and then maybe like 800 are left to the organization. If you donate the asset, the actual stock, you can just give that $1,000 worth of stock, and then the organization receives it in kind, and they can do whatever they want with that $1,000 full without paying taxes. Uh, that is such a great thing. We definitely do that at our company. It's a hard conversation sometimes. There's some emotional attachment uh, to, or not that emotional, just a preference sometimes on giving a check or giving a cash or, or going to a dinner and being able to give $5,000 on a table. And, and it's sometimes not the most impactful. 
in quantity. So, so thank you for bringing that up. I'm assuming that was one of the questions that you got probably today in the room. It was. And what was interesting, it was definitely um, a younger audience today, yeah. but I work with clients of all ages. And one of the things that we see, and you probably see as well, are clients that have had an investment for many, oh. many, many years, maybe mm. in one stock or two stocks, right? Yeah. Um, maybe those what they called blue chip stocks, right? Yeah. That they might have had since the 1950s. And by the time they get to you as an advisor, they're probably so concentrated in their wealth in that particular stock. And they're petrified to sell it because of all the capital gains that they have. But that simple question of, do you give any money to charity? Are you thinking about doing that? Then it absolutely makes sense to use that appreciated asset. And the other important point too here is that when it's concentrated like that, there's risk. And so you want to be able to reduce some of that risk of that appreciated asset without having to pay capital gains. And that's one benefit of thinking about how charitable giving can support that. So thank you for that. Thank you for supporting diversification on portfolios. (laughs) Um, So the other thing that I found extremely interestingly label uh, was this... um, way of categorizing reactive versus proactive giving and i've never seen it like that to be honest and you probably do 100 presentations a year in this and it's like i see it every day um for me it was just a vehicle change but it definitely tells you about the approach to giving if it's being reactive or if it's being planned and i don't know if you can maybe explain to me clearly the differences between those two i think about it Related to radio announcements. Okay. <laughs> we don't have any on this podcast. It's free. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, and yeah. sitting in our car towards the end of the yeah. year and thinking about how many charitable organizations are asking for money, asking for contributions. And we're, get, we're at the end of the year. We're getting telephone calls. We're thinking about it's the holiday time. We want to be giving back. Maybe we're thinking about... Um, the income that we have at the end of the year and trying to think through our taxes and we're being really reactive. Um, mm-hmm. We're feeling really rushed. And it's inevitable when you're being reactive, you're never going to do the best thing that you possibly can do yeah. because everything's coming from such an emotional, you know, fast moving place. And so I like to say that as you want to be more strategic, more intentional with your giving, the idea is to move from being reactive to proactive. And part of that is having a plan. And part of that is thinking about other ways that you can have that proactive nature. And one of those is using a charitable giving vehicle, yeah. um, something like a donor advised fund or a private foundation where you can get a tax benefit when you need it and then give to the organizations you care about when you want to. So it's really allowing you to be planful in two areas, right? Tax planning and charitable giving versus being reactive and combining those things all at once. Yeah, it's such a cleaner way to do your donations, to make your donations. Um, Now, I want to maybe jump into one of the biggest changes that I guess the industry that you're in has seen, uh, which is the tax law changes from last year. And I'm assuming this impacted not just the way we approach giving, but the way we think about also from the 
nonprofit organization side. They, I don't know what's going to happen next year, right? There might be a decline. A lot of people are expecting a decline on just donations because there's no tax benefit going forward to us after a certain amount. Um, but one of the interesting things that, that, that this tax law change has uh, created is creative ways to still get the benefit today and actually help organizations uh, plan their cash flows. And I'm talking about non-profit organizations, planned out cash flows. I don't know if you want to explain a little bit of what I'm talking about here. Sure. And uh, full transparency, I'm not a CPA. Neither am I. So We, can, we cannot give tax advice. Yeah. But um, I think there's been so much written um, about the concern charitable organizations may have because clients and donors and investors... Um, who give to charity, if they want, they can itemize that charitable gift uh, when they do their taxes. Mm -hmm. Some people prefer, as you may know, to take a standard deduction versus itemizing their deductions. And what the tax law changed is the amount, that threshold of itemizations that you could make um, before you were able to take the standard deduction versus itemizing. Yeah. So again, just to say that one more time, Yeah. the tax law changed this idea that it, if you want to itemize, you used to itemize at a certain level, right? But now it's going to take a lot more item. A lot more things a to more itemize. Money yeah. A little bit more money before yeah. you can itemize. So people are going to be forced to take the standard deduction. Exactly. And what this is causing is basically it might not make sense to you for you for individuals to make a charitable donation for tax benefits. Uh, so they might just not do it. Like that's a risk that a lot of organizations are are uh, I guess. Uh, fearful in the next few years. Uh, the good thing about this is there is this kind of like a solution for now for people that have the affluence to be able to donate in advance and we call that bunching, uh, which is basically what you gave in your example today of paying two years ahead this year uh, instead of donating next year. Right. So one thing that I would just go back and say related to the tax reform is that you know, certain things that clients used to be able to itemize in the past were limited or eliminated. Mm -hmm. But what wasn't eliminated was the charitable deduction. Yeah. Right. So when you think about how you get to that higher level of being able to itemize, the charitable deduction is still there. Still there. Right. And so in this case, maybe what a client might want to do is give more to charity in one year to get them over that threshold, threshold of the standard deduction. Yeah. Well, that was a complicated passage to go through, <laughs> but thank you. I think we did a good, uh, you did a good job on it. Uh, we're going to put this particular chart available for people to see, which is just an example of the money difference that organizations uh, can obtain on, on the impact of doing a higher charitable uh, deduction this year compared to uh, half this year and half next year. I think it's one of your slides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and can I We'll just, ask for permission, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, and one thing that I think will be, um, maybe I'll just uh, say it before yeah, you yeah. ask me the question, if that's okay. I do, of course. Um, which is a conversation we had today, and I asked the audience, I said, 
Related to the idea of bunching, let's say that you were giving $10,000 away to charity, right, each year. And now with this idea of bunching, you want to give $20,000 away in one year. Do you really want to give $20,000 to one charity in one year? Right? Great point. Put in a donor advice phone and eventually give it. I, I, I'm assuming that's where you were going. You guessed. You yeah. read my mind. Or were you in the presentation? I was not today? in the presentation. It's a women-only presentation. <laughs> but yes, no, that's a great point. And, uh, and this allows you to have a little more control over the money uh, over a period of years. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So the organizations can get the same amount of money in... Hmm each year, yeah. right? But you're getting that tax deduction mm-hmm. um, that you want yeah. in Perfect. one year. And again, we give this disclosure, const- please consult with your tax advisor or your financial advisor uh, for, before you do any tax decisions. Um, okay, so I, I kind of want to move on from like the detail of the head, kind of like what we've been talking about and, and think a little bit more about the hard side of these things, which is, how do I make my contribution be impactful and also very valuable to me and the organization, not just to the organization? And I think today you had a, a, a bunch of, of slides and part of your presentation regarding knowing yourself better. Um, how do I start this process of getting to know myself better before I start donating? And I'm personalizing. <laughs> you are. So, so uh, I'll give you a suggestion. Yeah. How's that? Yes. Um, I like to start the idea of increasing your giving satisfaction with understanding what's motivating your giving. Mm. And so one of the things that motivates what we do, we're driven by our values. Values inform our decisions around wealth management. It informs our decisions about our work. It informs our decisions on how we want to think about uh, the next generation. And so if you can identify the values that are driving your giving and your philanthropy, then you can see that connection. Um, And what we know is that philanthropy is most fulfilling when it's grounded in your values. And so Again, for you, if you're getting started, you know, uncover those core values Mm -hmm. that drive you and your decision making and that motivate your funding. And what you'll see next is that you can actually start to identify the causes that you care about and they're going to be linked back to your values. So, for example, if one of your values is education, well, probably one of the causes that you want to give to is going to be related to education. You might want to get a little bit deeper in that cause. Maybe it's something related to women and girls. Maybe it's related to uh, young adult education or early education. And so those might be some more specific causes, but you can see again that that's linked back to your values. And then from there, you're able to start to develop a statement, this giving statement that you can use um, to sort of to guide you, guide the causes, guide your gifts, uh, your conversations with the organizations that you want to get involved with and say, this is my giving statement. This is what I want to do. This is the difference I want to make. Is your organization aligned with that? Hmm. 
Yeah, I uh, I think you touched a lot of hearts on that today. There were two people uh, stepping out of the room, came, and I was like, I didn't know environment was almost at the bottom of the people that receive, and it's like it's so important to me, and. And I'm sure they're going to change their donation patterns because they realize that even in their value set, I mean, that they realize their value set was not aligned with their donating values. And, and mine are either. I can, I can, I'm pretty sure if I do this personal examination and trying to figure out my, my given statement, uh, I will find out very soon that I'm not giving the money in the most important things to me. And uh, so it's an exercise that, from what I've heard, I think we do, we all should do before we start giving money. Um, can I add absolutely? One, can I add one thing though? Yeah, a lot of us are already giving, and you probably feel great because you are aligned. I'm assuming, but I wasn't aligned, oh. right? So I was initially I was giving, yeah, and I wasn't aligned. So what I did was I listed all the organizations, yeah. and I did the whole thing backwards. Oh, yeah. So in many cases, for those people that are really giving today, write down the organizations and see, wow, okay, now let me look at my values. And I saw a big disconnect. Yeah. And then I was able to develop my plan to help me make more of a connection. And that was a lot more fulfilling. Hmm. And and. I mean, I saw one of the things that I love that you do is you actually get into the detail, not just list the organizations, but list how much percentage and actually start ranking them based on percentage. Like I'm giving to four organizations, but one of them gets 90% of my money. It's important to know that it gets 90% of your money and you might feel equally amongst the four. So, so putting that detail level, it, it helps you align better. Yes. Um, Okay, so so this has been uh, extremely useful, at least for me listening. I'm, I'm hoping for everybody else. Um, the one thing I, I always like to to ask every host from Empower Women series is if there is one thing we can do today after listening to this podcast that could help us get on a better track regarding this topic. What would that be? What would that be? What would that be? I guess I forgot the question. Um, well, I, I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that you can do is think about your intention. Think about, be proactive. Think about why you do what you do. And the reason why that's important is because sometimes you say yes and sometimes you say yes because you want to say yes and sometimes we say yes because we feel obligated to say yes but what we really want to do is say no and it's hard to say no to somebody that asks us for money but we have limited resources and so we might have to say no but if we have intention and if we have a plan then and we have a giving statement, then when we say no and we explain why we're saying no, not just no, then the organization is going to understand why we're saying no. And on the flip side, when we say yes, it's that our yes is going to have such a greater impact because it's going to come with, again, that intention, that desire to have an impact and the ability to be able to look back and say, wow, I said yes. I know why I said yes. And here's here's the success I had with that yes. Awesome. Well, I couldn't thank you enough for your time. I know you've been uh, extremely... Uh 
uh, I guess you donated a lot of your time to us today. So we're very thankful here at Lexington. Uh, we're going to put your contact information. We're also going to put that direct link to uh, the Schwab Charitable uh, Gifting Strategies website uh, within the link of, of this podcast. So everybody can reach out to you. Uh, so thank you so much, Stephanie. I, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Perfect. And uh, until next time, this is Jordi Mueller. This is the Empower Women series. And have a great day. Mm-hmm.